Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? It's not every day you can double your money. But with my bookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With MyBookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at MyBookie.ag and use my promo code SPORTSDRINK, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using promo code SPORTSDRINK at MyBookie. That's promo code SPORTSDRINK to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. We've got a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you're in cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free. Visit symbol.com and use the promo code SD, and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. The Spotify Greenroom app. It's a live, audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. It's available on iPhones and Androids now. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Now, Spotify Greenroom is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app free in the iOS App Store or for your Android. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever league group you want. You are listening to the Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome another edition of the bird calls i am your host david grubb and alongside me as usual david fisher and ali cosell from the bird rights and joining us for the first time in a long time and hopefully not for the last time mr jamal jamal how are you doing today sir i'm doing very well i appreciate the invite you know um pels you know i like to make my appearance on the uptrend you'll never see me in the midst of like a 12 game losing streak <laughs> no but, you know on the up <laughs> i'll just say we get it if, you said it if it happens you're going to be on every damn show during that whole stretch <laughs> <laughs> yeah because otherwise we get an eddie yeah. murphy like string of profanities phil florin florin filth florin phil <laughs> of him talking about the pelicans and we really i don't know if the folks tune in just to hear us curse um, I'm sure they like it occasionally, <laughs> but, you know, I, I still want to do the full game watch experience for us to like sit down and have us get in a room somewhere and watch a game together and let people see what it's like when we watch a game. Cause it is, it's, it's humorous. It's humorous. Um, but well, I'll tell you right now, poor Mike, man, we're going to have to put some padding on him because his BI slander isn't going to stand with people like Chris and a few others. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, and don't let Jackson Hayes get 10 points that night. Oh, my goodness! Uh, <laughs> Jamal will be second line in three. I thought, I don't know, I thought Jamal hey, hey, said look. he's got that pl- he's closed for renovations. That thing opens no, up so no, quick. No. Well, look, the other night, the other night, I found the keys again when he was hitting all those threes. I was like, oh, god, we're, we've been looking for these keys. That's the late night, that's it, had so, late night hours. Yeah, it Jackson Square back open. 
just just for very special occasions at this point. It's not. It's, yeah. it's like a, a wedding hall. It's not open all. Yeah. But when is it? A we don't. We don't pick up the trash, but you know, <laughs> it's it's open still. <laughs> It's perfect, pick man. Nobody trash. picks up trash here in New Orleans yet. Regularly. They're freaking all halftime. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, know, reduced it's hours, but it's still open. Um, a lot of reduced hours. A lot of DNPs. Um, but we have a lot of, to be happy about since the last time we spoke, gentlemen. Um, Pelicans, 5-5 five and five in their last 10 ball games. Those wins have come against teams with a combined record of 48-35. And, and this and, and and folks who are will hear this tomorrow, you'll also see this in the preview of the Pelicans Mavericks game. The oddest stat over these five these 10 games, the five and five stretch, the Pelicans net rating is 0.0. That's the most 500 you can possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> they are 15th in net, net rating, they're 15th in defense, and they are 17th in offense but they are a net zero at this point compared though to those first 16 fellas. I we'll mean, you know, you'll take it. Won't we? You know, what's funny, yeah, David, so... I looked up over the last 10 games and there were 16th defense, 16th offense, but I'm almost positive a 0.0 net rating for that too. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, you know, the, the 0.0 was correct. I think, you know, as the games have been played tonight and stuff, things are changing, but um, still, that zero zero is sitting up, and that's isn't that just? I mean, that's awesome. Like, when you <laughs> aspire, it's yeah, it's 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 a fantastically odd number. But Ollie, just compared to where they were, where everything felt like a net negative, to just be at zero right now feels like a, <laughs> more than just a win, doesn't it? Oh, easily. I mean, are you kidding me? Started off the season. No Zion, never, nobody knew when he was going to come back. Then B.I. goes down, what, in game six or seven? And uh, the Pelicans start off, what was it, one and 12, I believe. Couldn't make a bucket. The offense was, if it wasn't last, it was next to last. And the defense kind of showed up. The effort was there, but the focus wasn't. But either way, yeah, one and 12, and the world was caving in, right? Everybody, or it seemed like everybody wanted David Griffin gone. Others were talking about, let's look to the 2022 NBA draft. You know what I mean? And you're not even, you know, a quarter through uh, a season and you're having those talks already. It was just a bad, bad play. So I'm glad we're out of it. Like I said, that's what I'm happy about. 0.0, man. (laughs) Fish, um, this has been led primarily by the defensive effort. Um, Again, they are not an elite defensive team as of yet, but they have become an average defensive team and and we just go back to the last couple of seasons where that's all Stan Van Gundy was asking be an average defensive team the year before that Alvin Gentry if we can be an average defensive team we got the chance to beat people they're that right now and I think that they will continue to get better defensively um with with some of these players as they continue to develop like a Herb Jones but what have you noticed defensively that's been the big difference over these last 10 games? The biggest thing for me, and we saw a lot of it, especially last night, um, second and third efforts um, that the team is getting that where they get into rotation and somebody gets underneath the basket after a switch or something like that. And they're looking around to try to locate an offensive player that they should be, you know, running out to and they get out on a body. That's that. That's the biggest thing. Um, thanks to Valanciunas, and it, it seems like a lot of the opponents they've played lately are teams that don't really hunt offensive rebounds. I mean, especially the Clippers, because the Clippers aren't playing anybody that's big. Um, so they're they're ending possessions that way. But the big thing that I think that's helped their offense is the fact that between Herb Jones and Josh Hart, especially, they're getting a lot of deflections and they're getting into early offense. Um, against a defense that's not set. And as long as they can do that from now until, you know, Humpty Dumpty comes out, they'll be fine. And so just so so much of it still is effort-based, but I think what we're seeing, especially of late, is the fact that those second and third efforts are happening. And some of that is just the fact that they understand where the second and third effort needs to go. 
a lot of times they were kind of just running around, especially in the fir- in, in the first half of the season. They're running around with chickens, like chickens with their heads cut off, where they're, they're putting forth the effort, but it doesn't matter because it's misapplied. Now you're seeing that effort is continuing, but they're actually applying it correctly. They're getting out to the shooters. And just you have to make the opponent work for it, and that's what they're doing. Jamal, um, you know, Fish makes a great point there that 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 was the thing that we talked about at the beginning of the season, that the one thing the Pelicans could not um, afford to be was have a lack of energy on a night to night basis. If they were going to make mistakes, they had to make them at full speed. If they were going to play, they had to play at full intensity. But also, I think the the as they have shortened this bench and taken a lot of the youngsters out of the rotation, um, we've seen the basketball IQ of this group raised up even if some of these players like a Garrett Temple still aren't performing great, it's just, they're not giving you the extreme lows that they did earlier in the season. And you're not getting the unpredictability from some of the younger players like Najee Marshall, like Jackson Hayes. Um, You're getting much more stability. At least, you know what you count on from this group from a night to night basis. Yeah. And to be honest, outside, well, Okay, so last year you could count on Zion and to well, you could count on BI. All right, I'll just take his averages, right? You could count on them to give you something substantial most nights. And then after that, there was really nothing, right? Like literally nothing. Um, it was just whoever kind of got hot or, or whatever. Now, you know, with Jonas, you know, with Graham, and I think with Zion and Ingram being out for periods this season, it forced a lot of guys to. First of all, I don't think people understand how, and I'm not an apologist for, oh, you got Zion out, that means you don't have to win games. No, if you're an NBA team, you should still be able to win. Of course, you're not going to playoffs without your stars, but you got to be able to win some games, okay? Um, But it forces everybody into positions where they're playing kind of above their head. Guys who shouldn't be playing are playing. Guys who should only be playing a little bit are playing a lot. And that's still the case, right? It's only BI back. You don't really have the rotation that you want. And ultimately, long-term, you don't really have the bench depth on this roster. But I think uh, I remember Jonas Valanciunas said earlier in the season, you know, somebody asked him about getting frustrated. I mean, this is early on, like maybe four four games in or something. And was he frustrated with losing? He was just saying it's a new group. And not only is it a new group, that lineup is always shifting. And so I think what you're seeing is guys – learning the coaching staff, coaches learning the players, players learning how to play with each other. And to your point, David, uh, Grubb, to your point, realizing that they don't have the luxury that some NBA teams can have where they just come out and take a quarter off and they can, you know, still kind of fight back or just hang around in the game. You know, if they're not giving max effort and if they're not taking care of the fundamentals, um, they're not going to even be close in some of these games. So I think long term, you you what I hope is that this stretch where they don't have or haven't had all their guys and have had things in a lot of flux helps uh, you know helps these guys when they do have a full lineup and guys are playing really where they should be playing. So um, I've been you know as impressed as I could be um, you know with a six and seventeen team uh, over the last you know this latest stretch of games. Now, I am not, I'm still not, you know, thinking playoffs or even play in or anything. I'm still, I I know I heard, I always say some people were talking about draft. I'm still fully on, you know, this team is going to finish with a bottom five record, uh, probably. I'm not, maybe Zion comes back and is amazing and surprises everybody. But at this point, I'm not going to give the Pelicans the benefit of the doubt. They're going to have to go out and prove it to me. So, you know, that's how I feel sort of about this latest stretch and how that projects forward. Yeah, I'm of the same mindset because I think ultimately the limitations of this roster are going to be too much to overcome. Um, But the things that we did want to see out of the team this season, regardless of record, it looks like there's buy-in with what Willie Green is talking about. It looks like That's, you're starting yeah. to thin the herd, so to speak, and identify those players who should be here and who should not be here. 
Um, and I think those two things, at the very least, are important things to to walk away with while you don't have Zion on the floor. Because guys who don't compete when Zion isn't there, guys who don't take advantage of the opportunities while Zion isn't there, are not going to get better when Zion does arrive. Your will doesn't change. We're seeing guys like Josh Hart, Devontae Graham, Herb Jones. You're seeing them accept the responsibility of trying to win, knowing that they're an undermanned team on some nights. I think that that has been critical as much as anything is, is figuring out who belongs and who doesn't. Um, Fish, you want to give your thoughts on that? Man, you just like subtweeted Jackson Hayes for four minutes. That's rough. So, I mean that. That's I thought the that was thing. about McKeel. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, to an extent, yes. I mean, Jackson Hayes is obviously the the clearest example of that because he's moved essentially out of the rotation. All he's gotten is garbage minutes lately. Najee Marshall too, who regressed um, a lot. Yeah, Najee Marshall completely moved out of the rotation. I'm I'm not a big fan of that. Um, Trey Murphy really has only played garbage minutes i'm not a big fan of that either um because i mean you look at really like we need to play three point guards in our rotation and one of those needs to be thomas sadaransky because he's giving you nothing so but yeah the rotation you you do it does feel like they've kind of settled on things a little bit and touching on what jameel was talking about in terms of the coaching staff i think the biggest thing i've seen from the past four games that we hadn't seen up to this point is I I think that Willie Green and the coaching staff, one of the biggest things you can do as a coaching staff is, is not put players in a position where they can succeed like their, their best spots. It's to protect them from their worst instincts. And I, I have to say one of the biggest things that they've done lately is there's not a whole lot of Brandon Ingram bringing up the ball in the fourth quarter. And when they are getting Brandon Ingram touches, he's moving horizontally. So it doesn't give him that situation where he's coming up towards the half court line. And if it's not there, he's going to dribble out and reset and we'll take five seconds off the shot clock. And then he's going to call for a pick and roll. Cause that's, that's, that, that's his biggest weakness in my mind is the fact that he always wants to reset and take his time. And he's not that guy. And Willie Green is is doing that. And when you talk about how the coaching staff is adjusting to the players and what they can do, the biggest the biggest thing that's jumping out to me, especially in the fourth quarters of these last, you know, four or five games, is we're not seeing the worst of Brandon Ingram. We're seeing him perform better, yes, but he's performing in a different way. And I think a lot of that is Willie Green and the coaching staff protecting Brandon Ingram from himself. Ali, I think that that's a great point. Do you want to build on that? Because you've um, been very observant in just how Brandon Ingram over these last few games, because he struggled out of the gate uh, when he returned from the hip injury, but his efficiency and just the way he looks on the court, what are you seeing out of B.I.? Yeah, so Brandon came back, what, November 13th in that big win against Memphis, which was the second win of the season for the Pelicans, and he thought, wow, here we go. But that's not what happened. They had a good first half and then their next game against Washington. But then they completely punted that second half. And B.I. had what? I remember Fish counting. I believe it was six straight possessions he came up empty on. And, of course, Pelicans, that was a stinging loss. And then they had a couple really bad losses kind of after that, right? I remember the Miami Heat, uh, Pacers, and the Timberwolves, and B.I. Everybody was wondering, is he hurt, right? Because he's not putting up the same numbers. He didn't have the same kind of flow to his offense. He wasn't giving you the same effort all over the court like he was in pre-injury. Well, I think he's suddenly found that niche, and I think Fish is absolutely spot on because now it's it's not just, hey, B.I., here's the ball. Here, Stan Van, basically what Stan Van Gundy did to he and, uh, he and Zion last year where, hey, if, if it comes time for us to get a bucket, I'm going to put the ball in your hands and you guys go make a play. That hasn't worked, as Fish said, for Brandon, and I'm going to say yet in his career. I'm going to say it's never going to happen, but it was smart of how, however he did it, Willie Green or the coaching staff, to make him see differently. And B.I.'s been talking about that even in postgame, right? I've got to play faster. Um, and we've seen that, over, like I said, over these last few games. I mean, the Pels winning 
what was it? Just a couple of days ago, I guess, um, what was it? Day after Christmas? Yeah, against the Utah Jazz, right? First clutch win of the season. Did and you say day after Christmas? Some... I say Christmas, Thanksgiving. Man. Yes, you did. <laughs> and B.I., he had a couple bad possessions, but then he kind of cleaned up his act. I remember he took it hard to the rim, got to the free throw line. Those are two big free throws. And then, of course, nobody will forget that winning uh, possession where it's out in transition. B.I. does that nice shovel pass to Devontae, shooting up the right side of the floor. Boom, three. And suddenly, it feels like the Pelicans are just playing so well offensively, right? They're finding the um, hot guy more often. They're getting B.I. on the move. I feel like Josh Hart initiating uh, either in transition or half court has been really great for this team. And, of course, Valanciunas is probably getting the most touches of anybody. So I feel like they're all kind of finding how to play with each other. And that's what gives me hope. So I know what Jamal said, and, and Grub, I know your reservations, but I'm actually more hopeful. I know Fish tweeted this earlier. Pelicans have played the hardest schedule in the NBA. They did it without Zion. They did it with B.I., who was either not 100% or just, you know, wasn't in the right frame of mind, flow, mentality, whatever you want to say. And now you just feel like it's clicking. And now that Willie's kind of settled on a rotation that's working, you remove Najee, even though I would love to see him get minced, but you remove the guys that were really just flat-out negative. Najee, Jackson, uh, you limit Kyra at times. I wish you would do with Sadaransky and Temple. Those guys are still bad, by the way, guys. But the bench now has become a positive. And what was it? The first, I guess the first 13, 14 games, the bench was the dead last, right? In um, almost every category, it felt like. But they're averaging about 23 points a game. I looked it up before this podcast. Since B.I.'s return, they're averaging about 37, 38, shooting the ball much better. And if you look at the on-off numbers, Pelicans individually since November 13th when B.I. returned, a lot of bench guys are at the top. So it shows you just how things have really improved uh, up and down the roster, right, to this point. So that's why I'm more hopeful. I mean, Willie told us, right, before the regular season started, this is going to take some time. I feel like maybe by the time we get to December, things are going to start to click. Some of these losses are going to start turning into wins. Well, I feel like we've already started seeing it over these last couple of weeks of November. I feel like I've met this Ali Cosell before, though. Because we do this every year where we say, oh, look at how difficult their schedule's been. It's going to lighten up. Well, this is still the NBA. I spent 30 seconds on it, man. No, I'm saying we do this all the time. <laughs> we say, oh, the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. And then it that, matters when never you, no, been I'm looking the, from no, the No, it doesn't matter with this team because we see every year. We see every – let me finish. 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 I'm the moderator. You got to let me finish. Nope. I'm the moderator. So, this is a team that consistently has done well against good teams and done poorly against bad teams, that does poorly at home, that does these things. So, until we see an actual reversal of that, I don't want to say, well, the schedule gets lighter because they've lost to Orlando in the past when they shouldn't have. They've lost to these this team and that team. They've gotten beaten by the Timberwolves. They've gotten beaten by this team and that team. The schedule sure. is not the thing. The thing that's going to be David, about you're missing not, context, a, but I'm going to let you finish. But it's like every time we talk about their schedule getting better. No, it's not. A, it's never. You're never playing the schedule. You're playing your team. It's true for bad teams, number one. Number two, you're comparing it to a Stan Van Gundy team that had no buy-in. I mean, well, I can keep year going before, on, but this matters. Before, this context matters, year before. Dude. But we do that every year. We I think no, what I'm getting to is I think this Pelicans team is – Honestly, right there in the middle of the NBA. And that's before we've N- had Zion. Of the NBA? Yeah. Look at the Western Conference. The Was it the is, 15 is yeah, even 500? Yeah, most of the teams are 11 and 10. So if you're the middle, okay. Do you think, I mean, but like Zion comes, everybody thinks that just because Zion comes back, it makes the whole team do this, that, and the other. The bench no. is still not really that great. That's the thing is the bench is still really not that great. Just because they're scoring more right now. You're still saying the bench is still going to be predominantly. Can you do you believe Willie holds up like this for the for the course of the season? No, Willie's not going to be 18 and seven every night. That's just not going to happen. I'm sorry, it's not. At some point, he's going to come back to earth. And then you're counting on Kyra shooting normal, uh, a normal percentage. He's going to go up and down as he does. There's still not a legitimate bench guy that you're going to go to on that second unit and say, "Get me a bucket." No matter when Zion comes back or not, who's the person on the bench 
who you're going to say, get me a bucket. Well, you want it to be kind of Nikhil. I'm going to let Fish take over because I know he's itching. Nikhil, but again, the way Willie's been staggering lineups, he's really tried to avoid five-man um, bench guys all out there at the same time. Fish? I mean, uh, like I would love to be super positive about Nah since he's my guy. But, man, the shot selection, especially the last couple games, has been wanting. There was there was a stretch when he first moved to the bench where, and even like after the OKC game, that, um, his his shot selection really narrowed to he was either going to be shooting catch and shoot threes, and that's a shot that you want him to shoot if it's open, or he was going to go to the rim, and um, that was working really well for him for about like four or five games, and then the last five games. Um, I don't know if he's been feeling his oats or what, but you saw the step back threes coming back in. And it's just like, like I, I understand when he takes it and it's at the very end of the shot clock, but mm-hmm. he's not taking it at that time as, as much anymore. And I know like, I mean, if you watched any of his stuff from the, from, you know, the summer, that was a lot of stuff that he was working on, but it's not there yet. It's, it's not ready for showtime. And so much of his so much of his shooting struggles and offensive efficiency issues is his shot selection and he's just he's he's taking shots that are too difficult and if he gets back to narrowing his his shot selection to i'm going to go to the rim or you know i'm catching and shooting threes or i'm just going to move the ball if he do if he does those things he he he's he's fine He's not great. He's fine. But when he's trying to, you know, put highlights up like he has been lately, it's it's not fine. And it, th- those shots and those kind of attempts, he's just he's not ready to put those out there in NBA games that count yet. Jamal, this is this is why I think effort is is the thing more than what we're seeing as far as actual production. B.I. still shooting 40 percent in the last 10 games, 30 percent from three. Devontae Graham shooting 38% in these in the, over his last seven games. Nikhil shooting 35% over his last 10 games. Willie Hernan Gomez shooting 70%. Those types of things are either going to, you know, are to me show this is a hustle-oriented team right now, and they are winning because of effort. They are winning because of the little things that you don't see on a on a on a, a box score. But overall, there's still some things that are missing from this town, from this roster to make it a legitimately competitive team night in and night out. Yeah, I mean, this team reminds me of like a stock, right? So even the worst stock is not going to go on a, you know, direct, you know, vertical line down. You know, it's, it's going to have some days when it's up, even some weeks or months when it's up. But because... You know, uh, but if a company is is actually a flawed company, it'll always find its true value, which is, you know, down, you know, somewhere down, right? And so that's how this team is. Like, to your point, yeah, and the effort thing, the effort point that you bring up is important because that is what you, you talk about when you're talking about building a culture to the extent that that is a thing. Because we always talk about, oh, we just want to be like, as funny as it is that they always beat the hell out of the Grizzlies. Like, but we always talk about, oh, well, we just want to be like the Grizzlies where they just freaking try, you know? And they win so many games, um, you know, they've won so many games, at least over the past couple of years, where they weren't really, you know, they were outmanned in a ton of games, but they just would try and they'd play defense and they'd do, you know, hustle and get second chance points and just scrap. And they would just get wins, right? And in the regular season, you're going to have stretches because, you know, playing these top teams even, every night you're not going to necessarily face these stars. Sometimes they'll sit out, they'll be injured, they'll see the 6-17 and 17 team up on the schedule and they just find that's a good spot for veteran rest or whatever. So you're not playing teams at full strength. So, like, what happens with bad teams is they start off, they're bad, they start figuring things out, they get a little bit better, Right. And through the middle of the season, you can pick up some cheap wins when teams aren't paying attention. But that last quarter of the season, right, when people say, oh, it's so easy because they got the number one, you know, relatively easy because they've got a weaker schedule relative to what they've already played. 
But that last quarter of the season, teams are a lot more locked in than they are through the first three quarters of the season. Um, and so you'll see these teams kind of have a blip in the middle of the season and then, you know, fade late because when teams are really paying attention and trying to play for seeding and, and playoff spots and all that kind of stuff, they're not going to take the Pelicans as lightly as they do right now. So it's a confluence of, of factors that leads to this, but it's still, it's still in the scheme of things good mm-hmm. because what you always want to see with any team is no matter where they're starting, whether they start as a contender or the worst team in the league, AKA the Pelicans, you want to see constant progression, you know, in a positive direction that makes me feel good about Willie Green, that he's identifying, you know, guys who are playing well, guys who aren't playing well, and giving minutes accordingly, right? Um, and also building a culture where, you know, you got to try hard every every night. And so those things, for at least for the guys who are going to stay on this roster, because I think there's probably max maybe six guys who are, you know, in the NBA, I think long-term is three years. That's That's how I think of long-term. Mm-hmm. there's probably six guys who you can say in three years have a decent shot of being on this roster uh, that are currently on the team. So, you know, right now they could possibly be building the foundation for something, but as far as this season, like, like Grubb said, over the course of time, you know, you're not going to win a ton of games with Kira Lewis playing a lot of backup minutes for you with Staderansky playing a lot of like, I was saying this earlier in our text group today, like, how many teams have a worse set of guards than the Pelicans? Like, is it five? Is it even five teams whose backcourt you wouldn't take as a whole, not, you know, you know, over the Pelicans? They don't have any impact guards. That's going to catch up with you. And we still haven't had a Nikhil twisted ankle or a Staderansky, you know, toe injury or something, where some of these depth guys who go down who we complain about and all of a sudden you're playing Joey Alvarado or some somebody from, you know, Lithuania or something right, like that. So um, they're going to have additional struggles because everybody's not going to stay healthy. Even if Zion comes back and stays healthy, they're going to be missing guys. And they just don't have any depth. Even the good players they have, they don't have anything behind them. So Valanchun is playing amazing, great pickup. But if he's down in a game or he's not even just not playing you know, doesn't have it that night, they don't have anything to go to behind him. I guess you have Willie, but, you know, that's – he's only looks good in comparison to what else they have. Um, so that's going to catch up with them ultimately. And that's why I don't think they have any – you shouldn't even consider them for a playoff run. If they if they do, it's a magical, great run, whatever, enjoy it. But I just – I don't see the, – the margin for error for them is so thin. And that's just saying that B.I. and – Zion, don't miss any other time because when you dig a hole this deep, you can claw your way back. And we've seen the Pelicans do it a million times, claw their way back to two or three games under 500. And you think they're going to get over that hump. Somebody twists an ankle, they lose four out of five and that's it. So that's how this is going to play out in my opinion. I do want to get into a bunch of positives because there are some, I want to highlight the individual positives because there are some great ones, but I wanted to ask this off of Jamal's um, point about Zion. So here we are, we're 23 games into the season. Let's say Zion comes back in at game 30. So he's roughly available for 50 games. Of those 50, you'd have to figure the first five to 10 or so, he's playing maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes at the most. So if you get those 50 games, with all things being considered, let's just pretend that everything, let's say moderately, you know, generally healthy, they play 50 games with Zion and everybody else is generally available. Could they go 25 and 25 in those games? Ali? I think so. Um, If you've got health and availability is the number one thing in the NBA and Zion comes back and he's showing the same form he was last year, right? That efficient, 27 points on over 60% field goal percentage. And you combine that with an Ingram who is honestly caring more this year. So he's taking better shots and these role players that we've all fallen in love with that can make an impact in so many different ways. You know, Josh Hart, Herb Jones, 
And then you've got, you know, kind of the stalwarts. Valanciunas will get you, you know, 15 to 18 points. Devontae is going to hit you three or four threes. I don't see how they don't, but as long as Willie Green's got that buy-in with this group, I really don't. I, I feel like with this effort and what we see out of their, just their abilities um, on what we've seen over the last 10 games, I, I just feel like this defense isn't going to fall into the bottom tier, right? So they're not going to be 20th or worse to me. So if you're giving yourself an opportunity to stay in most games and you've got, like I said, Zion, you've got some guys that can get hot. I, I honestly think, yeah, 25 and 25 seems pretty unrealistic in my book. Here, here's here's one thing um, that I'd like to uh, think have us think this through. Um, I don't want Herb Jones to ever leave the starting lineup. Ever. Agreed. When Zion comes back, I don't want him to leave the starting lineup. I think Herb should be the starting three when Zion comes back. And that B.I. should be playing the two then and let Graham play the one. But you, to me, whatever the lineup is, because Zion will not be an effective defender when he first gets back. That's going to be the last thing to come together for him, I think, Mm -hmm. when he comes back, because it already was the worst thing of his game. Mm -hmm. So to me, you can't afford, if you're Willie Green, the guy who's held all this together, and I'm going to start the Herb Jones appreciation with this, and I've said this to you guys, and I've said it on Twitter, and whatever. I do see Herb Jones as a Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala type player in that he will be able to facilitate. He can move without the basketball. We've seen that. He can score. His, his shot is, is has a good foundation. His basketball IQ is probably the highest on the team already. He is mature beyond his years, and he has already gotten to the point where he is the example setter on defense. To me, that alone makes him invaluable. You can't take that away if this team has any chance to be what you think they're going to be, Ollie, and say to potentially contend for that 10th spot still. You can't take Herb Jones out of the lineup. Fish, I'm going to let you take that one first. Oh, he's the smartest dude on the team. There's <laughs> there's no question. I've been, I've been saying that for a while. Um, and I I think I think the, the argument for Herb isn't just what he does on defense. Um, to stay in the starting lineup. But if you move Josh Hart onto the bench, now you're giving your bench more scoring pop. Whereas if you move Herb Jones to the bench, you're just adding a utility knife to something that you don't really, that's not what you need off the bench. That Because like, if you look at that starting lineup and it's all offense, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the four starters that feel like they're locked in, Devontae, Brandon Ingram, Zion once he's healthy, Jonas, those are all four plus offensive players. And for a good to mediocre defenders. Yes. Um I, I would say mediocre to not good. You know, I mean we say four. we say we give Devontae okay. Devontae's okay. Devontae's okay. Um, Jonas yeah, but is in opponents the right have spot. been picking on guys in certain games over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I know you've noticed like, that. We, we, yeah, we knew that because his height from the beginning that he was going to get picked yeah. on. But he'll at least try to get over a screen. Yeah, he's he, he's he's not just going to quit. Um, and he'll box and, out big guys. I love that when you start seeing stuff but like, like that. Yeah, I, I guess the 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 argument against starting Herb Jones is well, how many non-shooters can you have in the starting lineup? And then I'll say, well. I mean, you got three shooters in the starting lineup already. Like, I think Devontae Graham is going to get a lot more easy looks once mm-hmm. Zion's back on the court. Um, right now, he's shooting almost all of his stuff off the dribble. Um, Jonas is, I mean, he shot seven for eight last night from behind the arc, which is a little, a lot insane. The mm-hmm. Pelicans ran a pin down for him. They ran a weak side pin down. He came around and he shot it. Like he's getting the ball off a lot faster than he did last year. Last year he shot threes kind of as a last resort. He's shooting threes with intention now, and he shoots them in rhythm. It's not just he's like an accident. Four a game. Like yeah. last year, I think he shot one a game. Yeah, and if anything, the Clippers, man. <laughs> and and if anything, his opportunity is going to increase um, once once Zion's on the floor. Yeah. And Brandon Ingram, actually, if if you look at what what the team has done, what he's done, Brandon Ingram, to a very large extent, has taken the three ball out of his arsenal 
Um, and I think Zion and his presence will, will put that on the table more for Brandon Ingram and, and just a lot more Brandon Ingram, not having to create his own shot. And then you look at that and you're like, so how does, um, Herb Jones fit into that? Well, let's say you ran a pick and roll and you got to switch, um, and you're trying to force the ball into Jonas cause he has a small on him and you don't have a good entry bass cause they're fronting. And then Herb Jones is smart. So he cuts to the top of the key and he gives you, you know, a different, a different method of attack and, and changes, you know, the angle of the entry pass so you can get the ball into him. Herb Jones does that already. Um, <clears throat> the, all the eyes are on Zion as he's bringing up the, the, the ball up the floor and there's Herb Jones cutting on the baseline because he sees that nobody's paying attention and it's an easy dunk. Like he's, he's just going to get junk points like that. Like that's how he's going to, that that's how he's going to affect the game. And then you know what he's going to do on offense. And it's not Herb Jones is not, a, I shut down my guy defender, and so I did my job. Why aren't the rest of you guys doing your job? Herb Jones plays defense on all five players on the offensive end and the ball at all times. Like talks. even when he's, even when he's guarding Paul George and stuff like that, if the ball swings up, he's going to stunt up at the top at, at the, mm-hmm. to the guy that's at the top of the key, and then he's going to get back to his guy. He's going to mm-hmm. help over and 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 hold up that ball handler for just a second that lets Devontae get over the screen and get back in front so we don't have a switch. Like he does, there are so many little things that are never going to show up on a stat sheet, but I would implore any Pelican fan, spend like five minutes, the first five minutes of the game, and don't watch the ball on defense. Just watch what Herb Jones is doing. Mm -hmm. And he is conducting a master class the entire time he's on the floor and it's not just he locks up the star player like there's so much little stuff in terms of tagging guys slowing guys up you know coming out of picks stunning at things like he is he is superb in all aspects of defense and he he has to stay in the starting lineup yeah jamal i want to get your thoughts on him because you know i think herb has shown already that certainly He's the best outside of Zion, the best and most ready to play rookie that that David Griffin has picked. But on top of that, he acts like, you know, like he doesn't act like a rookie. He is willing to tell his teammates, you go over there. I, you can hear his voice on the floor. He has ended that quiet shit that this team has, has been known for. And I think that that's a huge thing. And I think that will endear that has endeared him to, to Willie Green's heart more than anything is that he doesn't have to tell Herb the bare minimums. Herb comes in with the minimums and he's trying to push everybody else to get to his level. Yeah. And I think one important thing about teams, like we always look, you know, or the narrative is always, oh, they brought in a veteran who's going to help them with this or that. But that's just not how teams work. Like, it's so much more valuable if it's coming from someone who's, uh, I guess, closer to a peer rather than, you know, some guy who's been in the league 15 years and he's kind of on his way out and he's, and the current players see him as, you know, I'm sure they like him, but he's from a different era, right, in their mind. Um, so and he's Uncle not Gary? really, a, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave names out of here, but yes. <laughs> but, but when it's a guy who's actually who's young and who's, you know, and, you know, Herb is actually older than a lot of these guys, right? Because he mm-hmm. went, I think he's a four-year guy, right? Yep. Uh, so he's actually older than a lot of guys on, on a team who are getting minutes. Um, so that's a different kind of human dynamic uh, dynamic to sort of his, uh, you know, play leadership, if you want to call it something like that. But um, but I think it's invaluable because he can actually give them something on the court. And they and you can see as players have, I've heard him say it in interviews, like they actually – are valuing what he's doing as players are valuing what he's doing out there and recognizing him, um, you know, for, for what he's bringing to the table. And it's, that's gotta be infectious. And, you know, if he continues on this track, um, you know, he could be the Pelicans sort of Draymond green, not saying he'll be what Draymond has been for uh, the Warriors, but I'm saying that role for Mm -hmm. them where you can kind of do everything just smart as hell, um, you know, and, and just able to facilitate in any situation with any group of players on the court and figure out, you know, how to make it work. 
Um, so, you know, I, I've been really surprised at how, because I remember coming out of Alabama, his coach and his coaches were raving about him and you see him as SEC player of the year and all this kind of stuff. But he wasn't, he wasn't what we look for when we see a guy getting praise, right? Which is scoring a bunch of buckets and dunking on people and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't really pay attention to him and it was a second round pick, so whatever. Uh, but I've been pleasantly surprised. I think he's, you know, can likely stick around. And and like I said, his his leadership um, and also to an extent, Zion not being here may have helped him take that leadership role. And he's not, a, you know, he's not going to grab anybody, but he's leading with his play. And I think his voice on the team is probably bigger for Zion having not been here. Because number one, he he's, he wouldn't have gotten the amount of minutes that he's gotten mm-hmm. if Zion was here. And then you've got Zion there, who he's the biggest influence on what's going on on the court, which sometimes, especially on the defensive end, is not always a great thing. But um, now having Herb established himself um, with with the team, I think even when Zion gets back, assuming he stays in the starting lineup, hopefully he does, I think that can continue. And hopefully rub off on Zion a little bit. I don't think Zion's ever going to be, you know, some – you know, amazing defensive player, but just giving the effort and doing the right things and taking it seriously is really all you need. Yeah. Herb, Herb, like he does so much to organize, like not even like what he's individually doing. Like he'll get back faster than the other guys defensively in transition. And he's telling the other vets where to go. He's pointing Mm -hmm. to um, Garrett Temple and saying, no, you get the guy in the corner. I'm going to take the ball. He's pointing to Josh Hart or, Jonas Valanciunas like he is he he is the de facto leader defensively already because he's processing the game faster than any of the other dudes on the court and uh, like I think we you know cannot underestimate his offensive mind like I, I think that he is extremely intelligent on the offensive end and and that's why I look at him in that facilitator role he may not get you know I think I think it's a legit thing to say at some point He's going to be, he could be legitimately be a 12 to 15, six and six or seven and seven guy who gives you a block, a couple of steals every night and is legitimately up for, you know, NBA um, all defensive honors. It it warmed my heart to see that article in the athletic and where he says Tony Allen is his favorite player growing up. And I take that part and then look at Herb's offensive potential because again, that shot is not broken. His no. handle is not broken. It needs to get tighter. You know what I mean? His shot needs to get quicker. But the fundamentals are there in his mind. Like I said, moving in space, cutting, um, seeing where, anticipating where guys are going. He throws good passes and he he screens. Like the man screens and goes away. He screens and finds the other open spot. Those are things that that this team has lacked for so long the basic basketball IQ. And I think it also pushes people when you're a rookie and you're doing this and the vets have to look at you. What is your excuse now? You know what I'm saying? Like Willie is, I guarantee there's a point where Willie's like, you see that he just got here. You've been in league six years. You've been in league five years. You know, there is something to be said for a guy just walking in the door and not trying to show anybody up, but busting his ass every day that at some point you say, I can't let him out work. He's the ultimate glue guy in my book. I mean, I love everything that you guys have said. You guys have nailed it, so there's nothing really more for me to add. But when he's on the court, the Pelicans have a top three defense. In the minutes when he's off the court, they're beyond last, right? Memphis Grizzlies have the worst defense. They're worse than that. And you guys have touched on his offense. I love that he has such a nose for the ball. His instincts are perfect. He knows when to make a cut. He knows when to go chase a loose ball. He knows how to put himself in a position to make a play just in case probability the ball goes one way or another. It, it's just amazing when there's a loose ball and he'll grab around the perimeter and he'll, he'll immediately aggressively take it to the rim because he knows the defense isn't set, it's broken, and he takes advantage of those situations. He doesn't settle for shots. Um, I know he took one in last night's game, a three that missed poorly, but you never see that at him, right? You can count on your... Two hands, how many shots he's taken from the outside that were kind of questionable, not those super wide open ones, right? So he does everything so well, and it's insane. And Jamal, to your point, 
He's the sixth youngest player on the Pelicans. So he's not as old as maybe you thought. For instance, Nikhil's older. But, yeah, I, I, I'm in awe. They, without a doubt, the Pelicans, David Griffin, whoever's responsible in the scouting department deserves a bonus because this guy's the real deal. Before um, we move on, I have to ask this uh, thing as well. Um, how much stock do we put in turtleneck power? Um, Zero. And the fact that the Pelicans <laughs> are four and one during when Antonio Daniels wears a turtleneck. I'm not one for superstition, but I'm also not one to uh, poke the basketball gods. Jamal, where do you stand on turtleneck power? Uh, Ten. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you see this team pre pre turtleneck? I mean. Uh, <laughs> There's an obvious correlation going on here. I mean, uh, first of all, we know this team is, or these players at least try to be stylish. So um, they see him on the sideline, they feel good. And like Deion said, you look good, you play good. So, <laughs> you know, I, I give it 100%. No, nothing Willie Green has done, nothing any of the players have done. It's all it's all turtleneck. So, you know, thank uh, Lord Taylor, so wherever he got it. <laughs> Ali, are, are, are you going to start uh, wearing turtlenecks to the games as well? No, because knowing me, I would be the jinx, right? That breaks a whole, you know, wonderful <laughs> spell that's overtaken the hell's land. No, I think Antonio <laughs> Daniels um, is doing a great thing, though. I think that's the biggest thing we should take away from this, right? He's engaged a fan base that was crazy angry through the first 13, 14 games. And uh, he's always talked to him. He's always tried to say he's positive, but now he's grabbed a hold of this whole turtleneck thing he's just having fun with it i mean look at what the hell social media team did today by you know 50 likes his uh turtleneck's gonna grow i, I think that's outstanding that's something we <laughs> haven't seen before so hats off to ad man he's just a good sport man yeah fish i think he's been you know just a great addition not just for the broadcasting because there are times you know like we can we've had we've all had our at, at times just say hey i don't i'm you know, disagreements with AD over broadcasting, not his intent ever. But I think ultimately, yeah, the 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 example of embracing the fan base, embracing the team, embracing the city, and just embracing the moment, there's something to be said in the cynicism of doing what we do for the pure love of the game and the experience of it. Mm-hmm. He, he he loves talking basketball. Like there's there's nothing that comes through more authentic about AD than the fact that he just loves talking hoop. Yep. Um, and he's jumping in on spaces and stuff like that. I will say this for AD, um, and I think maybe he leaned into the turtleneck thing a little too hard. I think him not wearing a turtleneck for the second night of the back to back against <laughs> Utah was strategic. <laughs> Because I think he knew that Utah was going to come out angry and they were a better team and more talented and he didn't want to jinx it. But in the process of doing that, he's going to be wearing turtlenecks until the team goes on a losing streak. So, <laughs> so, so what you're telling me is it's really more of like a Vegas tell. Like this is what, what Vegas should be paying attention to. Like if, if he's wearing a turtleneck, he thinks the Pels are going to win. He saw the practices. He knows he saw the shoot around. He knows it's going good today. Yeah. Yeah. He, if he's wearing, yeah, he's, if he's like wearing the ground tie, you know, then we know, oh, 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 they're going down tonight. He's got the tie. It's the turtleneck. He's like, oh, they got a shot. They got a shot. They got a shot. Yeah, I, see, I just how many of you guys wear turtlenecks? Because I know people that don't even own one. I, I don't own any. No. I haven't yeah. owned one since yeah. I was like a teenager. Because when I was a kid <laughs> in the nineties, like that was a that was a thing that you would do, but no. Yeah, the full turtle under the sweater, man. The little quarter. Yep. Used to think that <laughs> with the gold thing. chain on top. Yup. Yup. <laughs> I can't rock that. I can't do it. I, they don't they're not comfortable to me. I can't have something no. up on my neck like that. It feels mm-hmm. feels like I'm being oppressed. I can't. <laughs> What's that scene in the wood, Jamal, where your boy says, "I don't even button my collar up all the way because it makes me too uncomfortable." I was like, yeah, I, "I, bro, I, that's me, that's me." But I will say, I will say this though: one thing that has always bothered me about the Pels is 
um, and I always hate comparing them to the Saints, but they don't, their players don't engage with the fans, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no like Alvin Kamara showing up, you mm -hmm. know, serving ice cream somewhere or riding the back of a garbage, garbage truck or, you know, Cam Jordan going to schools and stuff. There's, there's limited, uh, and, and look, to be honest, when, when you're one in 11, it's not as fun to get on social media and make jokes with fans, right? Um, so I, I do get it from that perspective, but, but the, the other side of that is it limits the connection that fans can make with the organ, with the, you know, with the team, right? Because fans do ultimately connect on a personal level with a lot of players that they like. And so I've always thought that was something lacking and look, it's still lacking and it probably will be until they win more and players feel like, you know, there's a, a place to post your dunks after every game. Right. Um, but, 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 you know, AD is kind of stepping into that void, whether he intended to or not. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm sure he realizes, you know, the importance of it now. So, uh, so I do appreciate, I do appreciate him doing that. An ambassador's role that he's taken on without, without actually, you know, being hired to do some damn fish. Fish was breathing like he was trying to get dirty on the phone or something. Is that breathing or is another hurricane coming, man? I don't know. Like, damn, he was up on that. I had to, I had to <laughs> him mute him for a second because I was like, is he trying to get dirty? He's feeling that good about her? He just, he just watched Nah hit a step back. Yep, he, he's got the highlight came highlight. up again, man. <laughs> <laughs> that triple step, step back. Like, he steps up, up, up. The ref is just like, look, just let him have it, man. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> man. These the Pelicans. We got we to gotta let this go sometime. <laughs> got to let it go sometime. But I will say this. It is encouraging to see. It is encouraging to see effort. Um, I think going up against this Dallas team tomorrow night or the next night, this is a real chance to steal two games from Dallas. They're bad right now. What, one, in, one in five in their last six. They're not shooting the ball well. Um, Doncic has been in and out of the lineup. Um, Porzingis isn't shooting the ball well. Hardaway isn't shooting the ball well. They haven't been defending well. I think they're letting teams shoot almost 50% from the field. We've got a chance back-to-back -to, -back to steal a couple games, get an actual winning streak going, which is something that I would not have said a week ago. I, guarantee, I know I wouldn't have said it. So I try to put when they are playing well. They put themselves in a position where now you could say against this Mavericks team over the next couple of games, they've got a legitimate chance to take two. It's a good matchup for them. I, I, I really think it's a good matchup because they have a lot of different bodies to throw at Luka. Well, not a lot, but they have well, two. One. They got one for sure. They, <laughs> I, I mean, they got two. I mean, they're going to gonna throw to Josh that, at him. Remember throw how Josh excited we got last year? Didi guarding Luca. Oh, come on, her. I mean, oh. he, he's he's gonna throw Garrett at him. He's gonna. Oh throw no, no, don't throw Garrett at him because he's gonna make Garrett oh. look bad. But I mean, he's gonna throw Josh and he's gonna throw. Yeah, um, you might as him. well just throw Garrett at him. You have a better <laughs> chance of stopping Luca if you throw Garrett in at Luca. Then you do. <laughs> I, I, but like you look at what Dallas does well and kind of how they're like they're completely Luca centric at this point. Yeah. And they're they don't have a soul that's going to be able to handle Jonas except for um, what's his face, the huge guy, Boban. Um, so I mean, there, there's, there's definite potential for them to get some wins because the one thing we haven't touched on a lot about the last 10 games is the Pelicans have went five and five, despite the fact they're not shooting terribly impressive. Yeah. That's what I was, we mentioned it briefly, but we didn't get into, they're not but, shooting the ball. Well, no, they're not shooting they're the ball. Mediocre. Well, yeah. And they're getting good shots. Like a lot of the shots are, are good mm -hmm. shots and they're just missing them. So, I mean, it's not like over these last 10 games that they've gotten, you know, great shooting luck and bounces and stuff going their way. Um, they've made it through effort. And no, they usually have let's one not good forget, I mean, shooting, right? It's one good quarter shooting. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And, and let's not forget, I mean, Dallas is coached by Jason Kidd, and he's not exactly a mad scientist over there on the sidelines. No, and this is a Dallas does not rebound the ball well. 
and the Pelicans do. Um, Dallas has been getting killed on the boards the last few games. So, again, they're a team that actually wants to rebound. They've got some bigs. They want to, to get on the glass. Of course, Luka likes to board. You, you want Dwight Powell boarding. You want these guys getting out there and, and getting the boards because Dallas wants to get tempo. But they're getting killed on the boards. So these are all things that play into the Pelicans' favor. If you get a team that's not rebounding when you're not shooting, that's a good thing. When you get a team that's not scoring it on its own because nobody on that team is shooting over 40% except Luka, and he's missed half of the last six games, I think, I mean, everything is there. The recipe is you're at the right time. Earlier in this year, Dallas would walk through them. Later in this year, maybe Dallas walks through them because that's the been Dallas has won seven of eight against this team. But I think right now the NBA did you a favor by scheduling you Dallas back to back at this point. Yep. All right, guys. Um, I think we've covered it all for right now. There are, I think the general consensus is that this is still a work in progress. There's been some good. There's been some bad. Ultimately, you know, this is, uh, you know, this, this is what we, we've seen from time to time. It, it, it's all incomplete till we get Zion on the court, and I'm still not counting on it till I actually see him, hear his name announced, you know, and him walk onto the floor. Before that, I don't want to hear any more speculation. That'll be the last thing. Guys, do you have any real idea of, of when you think Zion will be back at the earliest? Jamal? Um, I, I've yeah, always let's, said let's just take Christmas. our guesses. Yeah, call it your guesses. What do you think? Your hunches? That's what I'm saying. That's what I was asking. What's your guess? Yeah, I've I've always said Christmas. Right, that was always my my. Th- obviously, they don't play on Christmas because they're terrible. But, um, but you know, in that uh, in that whatever games they have around Christmas, either right before, or right after, I think is. Uh, let me see what they've got. So they've got Orlando on the twenty third. And Oklahoma City at Oklahoma City on the 26th, and then home for Cleveland on the 28th. So I think somewhere in that group, from the 23rd to the 28th, that those three games, if they want to do it at home, they can do Cleveland. If they want to do it on the road, they can do OKC. So I think that's Ish. about okay. about right because it seems like he's healed or mostly healed, but he needs to obviously get in game game shape. So that's gonna take forever. Uh- I'm going to lean earlier than that. I, I'm I'm thinking probably either um, Wednesday, December 8th, which would be next Wednesday, or Friday, December 10th. Um, we've discussed already the fact that we think he's going to come back on some kind of minutes restriction. Um, the good thing about how the Pelican schedule breaks right now is the fact they don't have another back-to-back until January. So you don't have to schedule in, you know, rest games and stuff like that. So if you're going to play him 15, 20 minutes a game and he's already healthy enough that you can, you know, he's playing five on five. He's been playing three on three and four on four um, before the announcement last week. So I, I think it might be a situation where they kind of let him play into shape to a, to a certain degree while he's also on this minutes restriction. The schedule also kind of breaks down for them really well. The Nuggets have been pretty bad lately, and that would be if he came back on Wednesday, and it would be a home game. Uh, the Detroit game, also a home game. Detroit's one of the worst teams in the league. And then right after that, they go to San Antonio, who hasn't been good, and to Oklahoma City. And that that's kind of a stretch where they can, they can make some money and <coughs> where – with with Zion, the biggest thing is, is that Zion's going to be taking minutes, in my mind, primarily from Garrett Temple and Thomas Sadoransky, because everybody else just kind of slides down a peg when you when you put him into the starting lineup and you're going to play him his tw- 20 minutes. And the the upgrade that you get from a you know as your ball handler from Sadoransky to Zion Williamson is massive. Do you think, but do you think Zion is going to be the one handling the ball when he comes back immediately? Because do you want to put that kind of pressure physically on him to have to create off the dribble and he's just getting his legs underneath him? That could lead to a lot of turnovers. I, mean, I do expect like it, there's going to be rust. There's going to be turnovers. But the I don't think he's going to have the ball in his hands, like bring it up all the time like Stan Adam do, but I, I do think that they're going to run some sets that get him the ball either on the move or at the top of the key. I, I expect we're going to see a lot of four or five pick and rolls 
because the defense is going to have all bad decisions at that point. Because if you're if you're stationing, you know, shooters around Zion and Jonas and they're running that pick and roll, there's if you switch, no team is playing a four that's going to guard Jonas. It's it's an automatic layup or free throws. OK, so if, you got to wrap it up because we said. Dang, but so. so yeah. So. So, yeah, um, I, I'm thinking next week, Wednesday or Friday. Um, I'm optimistic. I'm the optimistic guy. All right, uh, Ali, your, when do you think he's back? I've got December 17th circle. ESPN game, it's the Bucks. The Pelicans aren't going to completely rush him back or feel the need to as much to give him those bursts that everybody in the world hates um, because they've been playing better, right? As long as they keep this keel of win one, lose one, 17th. If not the 17th, then the 21st against the Trailblazers. So was it the Bucks 17th, 76ers 19th? Uh, Trailblazers 21st. I would bet on one of those three games. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Ollie, because I look at, you know, the one thing they said is they have to be able to get him into practice. This stretch right now, there are too many games where you're not getting the opportunity to practice. They will mm-hmm. finally get to practice in that December 8th to 12th range before they go to San Antonio. So I think that's when he gets on the floor to practice five on five. They test him out and then either mid that, that midpoint, like you said, are trying to shoot for the Bucks. Drew coming back. Boogie will be in the building. There'll be all this kind of electricity. Um, that that makes sense to me. All right, <clears throat> excuse me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Thank you so much for contributing as always. Um, for Jamal Dunn, for David Fisher, for Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb. So we are the Bird Calls, and make sure. You enjoy the Pelicans game tomorrow night. Hopefully they uh, continue to win and uh, take this win against the Mavericks. But until the next time, in the words of our friend Preston Ellis, let's go Pelicans. listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today why why if you have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion 